Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. Today's podcast is entitled Clinical Characteristics and Etiology of Acute Acquired Comitant Esotropia. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. April Jasper, our topical expert and editor, Dr. Mo Plowman, and now I'd like to begin today's broadcast. Hi, everyone. I'm April Jasper, and I'm speaking today with our topical editor, Mo Plowman. Mo completed her OD training at the Southern California College of Optometry and is currently finishing up her PhD training at The Ohio State University. She is also a fellow of the American Academy of Optometry. Today, she will be discussing the March 2022 clinical and experimental optometry paper entitled Clinical Characteristics and Etiology of Acute Acquired Comitant Esotropia by Meng et al. All right, you ready, Mo? I'm ready. So let's start at the very beginning with the basics. How were the patients identified for the study? Um, So this paper was particularly interesting to me because I feel like the acute acquired comitant esotropia or AACE is something that's been talked about a lot recently in the pandemic with everyone being on their smart devices or doing a lot of near work. Um, But interestingly, this group comes from a pre-pandemic time period. The last patient was seen in the fall of 2019, um, and they were all identified from a chart review of a hospital-based clinic. They looked at the, over their records for about a year and a half range, and they found um, 51 patients with this condition. They all presented with diplopia, acute onset. They had to have 20-20 visual acuity in each eye to be considered, right? We're not looking for any kind of amblyopia where there's maybe a decompensated um, strabismus. And then they had to have no other abnormal eye movements and then to have been followed up by the clinic for at least four months to be considered for um, the discussion. So what were the general characteristics of the patients? So the age range was um, from eight years old to 55 years old, but on average, everyone was um, at 24 years old was the average. And it was kind of tightly clustered around that like young adult um, age. The majority of them were myopic. There were about 15% of them who were hyperopic, but that was only about one diopter of hyperopia. Um, about half of the population of patients were students and the majority of others were a near work intensive opu patient. So kind of like I was chatting about a little bit earlier, you know, with a lot of near work, um, we think that that's associated with um, the onset of AACE and the average amount of near work reported daily from this group was nine hours um, a day. Um, And then the average magnitude of deviation was 20% of the afters at near, 25% 25% diopters at distance, but quite a few, about 20% of them, had a 50 diopter or bigger ET um, at distance or near. So it could be quite a large angle. You said they were followed up. So what kind of care did they receive or treatment in the study? 
Yeah. So at um, baseline or when they presented, everyone had a dilated encyclopedic exam. There were fundus photos. And then everyone also received um, either a CT or MRI. So some kind of brain scan. And the brain scans identified um, two patients with brain tumors and one with a Chiari malformation. And interestingly, too, these were pretty much the three really pediatric patients in the population. These were like the eight and nine year olds. Um, so that was found. And then as far as then treatment, otherwise for the people with normal brains and just an acute acquired ET, um, two patients just wanted observation and they um, had their diplopia resolved, but they both switched jobs um, and that kind of resolved their complaints. Uh, 10 patients went through prism therapy, prism put in the glasses and diplopia resolved in all those cases. 15 patients had Botox and a majority of them had resolution of symptoms, but two had lingering diplopia and it was associated with a residual ET that the Botox didn't completely um, resolve. There were 21 patients who had strabismus surgery and for all of them diplopia resolved. And then the three patients with the different um, brain uh, abnormalities, they noted that all three patients underwent some kind of brain surgery and two of them still had persistent diplopia, presumably from still some kind of um, ET that maybe hadn't been addressed at the time. Wow. So how would we take this one and apply it to clinical practice? I will say first and foremost, reading this paper, I was like, mm, brain scans for all of my patients with acute acquired competent esotropia would be indicated. You know, I think with acute acquisition, most of us are kind of leaning that way, but I know when I'm thinking about, oh, if it's a competent deviation, it makes me feel better that it's likely mm -hmm. to not have, you know, brain involvement. But I think, you know, good to send everyone. And then especially those young cases being where it was really found. Um, I think that's important to keep in mind. Um, I also, you know, thought it was interesting that there was some resolution of symptoms seen without intervention, those two um, people who switched jobs, but there's not really much about whether the ET itself resolved or not. And I also don't know that it's really practical that I would just tell my patient, oh, just stop what you're doing and you'll be fine, most likely, right? I mean, people have to do what they're, they want to do with their eyes. So um, I was thinking that's something good to kind of keep in mind. Yeah. And then um, lastly, I thought it was great that, you know, diplopia resolved for a lot of people. So prism and potentially vision therapy for some of those smaller angles, I think is a good um, idea. And then referring for the larger angles, a surgical consult, just to get these people fused again and comfortable. Wow. I love it. I, I you know, this one at first, I didn't quite know how we were going to take this one for how to utilize it in clinical practice, but you're absolutely right. There's so much to learn. And that is the beauty of research. I, I think it's fabulous. Mo, yeah. thank you. It's a joy to be on these with you. I learned so much. I know everybody does that's listening. <laughs> thanks, April. And a special thanks to CooperVision for their educational grant to make it all happen.